0: For aflcoaches.com.au and Shadforth Financial Group,
1: this is a conversation with an AFL coach where we'll pick some of the leading footy brains in the land and have an in-depth chat covering their lives in and out of Aussie rules football.
2: Welcome to a conversation with an AFL coach for the AFL Coaches Association. My name is Alicia Reba and I am the vice captain of the Giants AFLW side and also the NEFL backline coach here at the Giants. And today... I have the privilege of speaking to Mr. Alan McConnell, who happens to be the head coach of the AFLW side, the director of coaching here at the Giants, and what people call the grandfather of the club up here in Western Sydney. So, welcome to you, Alan.
0: Thanks, Lucia. It's easy to see who's the boss, isn't it? You know, uh, the um, playing the uh, support role in this conversation.
2: <laughs> Not at all. You can take the lead.
0: So Alicia, let's work backwards from your most recent uh, um, uh, achievement and that is being awarded the uh, AFL Coaches Association Lucky Chicken Egg uh, scholarship holder. How'd that happen?
2: I guess there was a, at the start of the year, the AFL Coaches Association um, put forward the, I guess, the great initiative to fast track a current AFLW player who has aspirations to move into the coaching pathway um, at the end of their playing career. And I'd like to think that I'm quite a few years off the end of my playing career, but I guess the last 10 or so years of my footballing journey has also included um, a coaching journey. So uh, the wise coach of my club tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, I think you'd be the perfect applicant for this. And yeah, I guess that's where the process started. I I'm very lucky that the club supported me in my application and I had some some pretty pretty cool people I guess testify to my I guess my coaching work thus far and um the, yeah, the application was put in and I was the successful candidate that was that was selected.
0: So let's let's hear who a few of those people were Alicia. Who who was uh so it, we put together a video mm-hmm. on your behalf mm-hmm. um Talk to us a little bit about who was in that other than yourself,
2: um, uh, Jared Waitley, um which wow. was which was very cool. I've spoken to Jared quite a few times and been on, uh, I think it's AFL three hundred and sixty a couple of times from a, a playing capacity. But um, I think, yeah, through the conversations that I've had with him in the last, I guess, last couple of years, um, he he's come to know a little bit about my pathway and yeah, to have someone of his stature, I guess. Putting me forward and and recommending me was pretty cool. I also had Ian Kite, who's been a mentor of mine. Um, He was a talent development manager at the Calder Cannons, um, the club at which I worked at back home in Victoria. Um, I had Isabel Huntington, the former number one draft pick, who I coached um, for a number of years as she was coming up through the under 18 Vic Metro pathway. Who else did I have? Who else was on that video? Who else? Oh, um Jan Cooper, who is now in charge of the um West Coast Eagles AFLW program. Um she was a former head of um I think uh, women's football at the AFL. So I've worked with her a couple of times in all Australian capacity. Um so I've had some some pretty cool people and some pretty influential people. Um yeah, I guess speak highly of the, the work that I've done and um yeah, put me forward as potential candidate for this scholarship.
0: So you've coached TAC Cup, mm-hmm. Talent Pathway for Women, now currently our NEFL Backline Coach, working closer with Mark McVeigh. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything else in that space that you've done?
2: Yeah, so I started locally just with the local club and then that's how I uh, I became involved in the State Under 18 Girls Pathway and then from there that's that's how I got involved with the TAC um, Club, called Cannon. So I worked... Uh, initially my my role there was with with the under 16s boys and then went up into TAC and TAC Cup clubs didn't have girls uh, didn't have the the girl squads then yes. so uh, my involvement in the TAC was actually firstly in the in the junior boys program which yep. some people now would say um you know when you talk about TAC Cup clubs it's uh, as a female coach, they would assume that you're working in just the girls pathway. So, which is actually a great thing Um the, the TAC Cup clubs do have the, the girls pathway now. By the way, um, so yeah, uh, now I'm I find myself working um, at the Giants in a part-time capacity. Although I'm here more than I probably should be because I love it's it. The
0: life of a coach. Yep,
2: <laughs> um, and yeah, working pretty closely um, with Mark McVeigh, taking the backs, um, which has been yeah very. It's been amazing for me and um, and it's I'm sure it's going to help me as well in a playing capacity too.
0: And it's fair to say that part of the reason you moved to Sydney to pursue your AFLW career is because of the opportunities that might come your way in the coaching space. Can you talk about what that looked like initially?
2: Yeah. So I played the first season of AFLW at Collingwood um, and I loved, loved my, my year there and um, I actually – decided that I was going to throw myself more into the playing and put the coaching piece on hold momentarily not on hold completely but just kind of pull back a little bit Um, but I received a call from um, from the Giants at the end of that the first AFLW season and and had a good chat with the powers that be at the Giants and they said look we'd love for you to come up as a a player first and foremost uh, but we've got with the, the landscape we have up here in New South Wales, we've got a, a list of players who we need to help further develop um, in the footy IQ space and we'd love to get you up in the playing as a player to help in that process. But whilst you're up here, we would also like to um, offer you a role with our academy program um, and help, I guess, um, develop develop your coaching in that space and then with, with the I guess, a plan in place to then get you involved um, higher up you know in in a needful capacity and so on and so forth, so it was a really tough decision uh, but I, I I certainly thought it was an opportunity that I couldn't say no to working within an AFL club and um, I, I know I originally said i'll oh, i'll put I'll pull back a little bit on the coaching, but um i th- I think I would have been crazy if, had I turned down that offer
0: yeah. so what are the aspirations what do you, what do you want to become
2: I'm going to take your job <laughs> No, um hopefully a few years old. <laughs> the what are my aspirations? Yeah, the hair's not
0: grey enough yet. Oh, it's getting there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um Uh it's a I I'm asked this question often. Um and my answer is is always I wanna be I wanna coach at the highest level that I'm capable of coaching at. Um and I'm really big on on making sure that, you know, I don't I don't want to be siphoned off into one program or the other. I just want to coach at the highest level that I guess my skill set and my experience and um, I guess the boxes that I've ticked along the way, um, yeah, I want to coach at the highest level that they take me to. So I'd like to, you know, I've I've been working a little bit um, on my coaching values and I guess a coaching vision for the next one to ten years and at the top of that list is – Is certainly in an AFL setting, Um, but hopefully, you know, every AFL club will have will have an AFLW team as well. So, um, yeah, when you say AFL setting, it it could be one or the other. But yeah, I'm I'm still only 28. (laughs) I think I've got a few more years of playing, and um, if you ask me in five years' time, I'll probably have a clearer picture.
0: Sure. So, um, as we said, you are the uh, lucky eggs. Lucky Chicken Eggs Coaching Pathway Scholarship um, re- recipient. Um, what what do you get out of that? What what so uh, what are the benefits?
2: Um, there's three pretty significant benefits to the scholarship. So the first is um, a 12 month mentorship um, by an AFL senior coach, which happens to be John Westfold. Wow, that's pretty cool. Which is pretty damn cool. Um, and I've I've already met with John and um, I've sent through a bit of work to him already around my values and and vision and whatnot um so to be able to actually tap into a a footy mind like his is pretty cool and to actually have um a senior AFL coach investing in in you I guess away from his own football club um to have him investing in you personally and in your development is, is pretty damn cool and I'm keen to get stuck into that a little bit more and um and I'll fly down to Melbourne and meet meet him a few times during the year and buy him a few coffees and, and pick his brain on a few things. So that's pretty awesome. Um, the second element is I will be funded to – well, I'll be put through the next coach program, um, which is, a I guess, a program that's open to um, current AFL players who, I shouldn't say are nearing the end of their career, but um, I guess have aspirations to move into a coaching space after they finish playing. And that's with uh,
0: David Whedon, isn't it?
2: Yes. Yes. Um, yes. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that that uh, program. Um, it, it, it runs over, the, I guess, the 12 months and um, I don't necessarily have to be in Melbourne um, for those sessions. I can dial in as well, which makes it accessible for me up here in Sydney. Uh, and then the third element, which is pretty cool, is a, a study tour of um, the states later in the year. So... The exact details um, are, are yet to be locked away in terms of where you know which organisations I'll be visiting and, and who's going and all of that. But Need anybody to carry your bags? <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I can. Um, yeah, no, I'm very much looking forward to that. Never been to the states before, um, so yeah, it should be should be a bit of fun.
0: So, how's that for a young woman in a pretty. Male, <coughs> sort of traditionally a male space. What's that look like?
2: Um, I'd be lying if I said it hasn't been daunting before. Um, and I, I guess the last twelve months, um, and particularly through this application process, I've been asked that question, and it's something that I've reflected on a lot. Um, and I think I think a lot of my anxieties is brought on by myself. Um, just being, I guess, you know, (laughs) one of the few uh, women who are coaching in an AFL space, it is still, um, I guess, it's not the norm. Um, But in saying that, when I could separate that, um, I I back in my football IQ entirely. I'm still learning a lot and that's why being up here has been um, so great for me. Um, I'm, I'm still shaping... I guess, my coaching philosophy and values and um, still working on the different ways I can effectively communicate. Um, and that that has been a challenge. How do I, as a four-foot-nothing, um, I guess, young woman, communicate um, effectively to, you know, AFL players? Um, and it's, again, it's something that is probably, probably something that I overthink and to a lot of the boys that I work with, they don't even think twice about it. But um, in the past, it certainly was, uh, it w- wasn't the norm. Um, so, yeah, it, but it's fantastic that AFL clubs are, are, are growing women's involvement across the board, not just in coaching, um, not just with AFLW teams, but with administrators and, and support staff and the like. So. Yeah,
0: and look, the truth is I'm lucky enough to see you do all that and um, there's no doubt you're a game changer. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's no doubt that um, you're going to forge a pathway in a way that perhaps women haven't before in our, in our game and it's amazing to watch um, and we're, we're very lucky that you're part of our program and, and doing it at our footy club.
2: Well, I'd say I'm, I feel very lucky to be at the footy club and I think that is a nice segue, Alan, into, I guess, your coaching um, but we'll, we will get to that uh, after a short break.
3: When you injure yourself, you make an appointment to see a team of doctors, physios and specialists.
1: But why don't we talk to the professionals when it comes to financial advice?
3: A good advisor will help you budget, sort out your super and protect your
1: greatest asset, your ability to earn money. So if you're worrying that it's too late and haven't got things sorted, it's okay. Acting now can make a huge difference and help you reach your financial goals
3: faster. This is where Shadforth Financial Group can help.
1: The AFL Coaches Association has worked with Shadforth since 2015. We think of them as our financial coach. Shadforth is available now for a free discussion about your financial goals. Head to sfg.com.au forward slash AFLCA for more.
2: So, Alan, we have spoken about my coaching journey thus far and my coaching journey has only gone for about 10 years. Can you give us a a figure for how long your coaching journey has gone on for? And can, uh, and hopefully, how long you see it progressing?
0: <laughs> um, as we know, how long it progresses is not in my hands. <laughs> that's uh, the life of a coach. Um, started in nineteen eighty nine. I sorry. wasn't even born then. Just sorry, just... that's not right. Sorry, started in nineteen eighty four. I can't even get it right. 1984, I coached uh, in the Eastern District Football League, East Bird Footy Club. It mm-hmm. um, um, was a fantastic club playing first division in those days in the um, um thought I knew it all. Um, um, got to a final series in the first year and got spanked, absolutely spanked. I think I learnt more in one game as a coach than I learnt in the rest of that season and and we were lucky enough to win it the next year, which was a, just a great experience.
2: When you won it the next year, with those learnings? Do you think that was off the back of what you had learnt in that final that you got spanked in?
0: Um, to a point, yeah, yeah. I, I um, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I'd probably done little homework around the competition. It was all around us, and um, I didn't know much about opposition players and. You know, in those days, we didn't have the technology or, you know, and resources to be able to, you know, scour data and, and vision of players. And so, uh, um, yeah, we were just much better prepared in the second year. Um, and uh, I was a better coach and um, we recruited quite well. And um, it, look, it was a great club to be a part of. Um, and interestingly, Alan Richardson, who is now the Head coach of the St Kilda Footy Club was the youngest player in our premiership winning team. So it was pretty cool.
2: Hmm. There you go. Um, so from East Burwood, local footy, to director of coaching at an AFL club, how does one jump from there <laughs> to there? I'm sure there were many different roles in between.
0: So um, I, I, after winning the premiership in the AFL, I went and worked in the Doma Valley Football League. Um, lasted two years. I thought it was a high-profile competition. I thought it would be good because I was ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, got to a grand final, and got sacked.
2: Amazing. <laughs> what did you do wrong?
0: Um, I, I think you, you talked earlier about your values, and you know, as a as a coach, and I think what happened. The reality was that who I was and how I wanted to coach didn't suit that environment. They 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 had a different expectation of me as a coach mm-hmm. to the one that I naturally feel I play as the person that I am mm-hmm. and um, so you know from every poor experience there is a good learning and that was one of them is that you need to be in an environment where you're suited to the environment and, and they they want the environment to be where you want t- to take it so um, you know that was, that was um, an interesting experience and Put my tail between my legs and went back and co- went back and coached um, um, underage representative teams yep. um, from the Doncaster District Junior Footy League. Uh-huh. Um, the consequence of that is that I was coaching a lot of young players who were playing in the or that was the feeder competition by and large for the Fitzroy Under Nineteen team right. in those days. Mm-hmm. And I finished up the Under Nineteen head coach, you know, a couple of years later, which was so. In effect, by getting sacked, it ultimately led to a an opportunity that I'd aspired to, and that was to get back, you know, to, to the AFL level, having played there a few years earlier.
2: So the Fitzroy story is interesting. <laughs> I'm sure it's a part of your life that many people have asked you about. Um, the, the last coach of Fitzroy, is that correct?
0: Yeah, the last coach. Look, I, I'm somebody who's coached an AFL team, but I don't consider myself to be an AFL coach. So I, I've, I sat in the chair for 11 games I probably got better. I did it t- two subs- two years, three mm-hmm. games for the f- in '95 and uh, um, eight games in '96. Mm-hmm. Um, this the AFL Centenary year. Um, I think I was probably a little bit better at the second time around, in that I was a bit more relaxed and comfortable with what else came with the job. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, um, coaching in, in an environment where the team and the club's gone into receivership mm. was pretty pretty goddamn challenging and um, the, you know I was probably more reluctant to go down that path the second time than the first time because I think when you stand in front of a, a group of players you have to believe you can make a difference and I wasn't quite sure how in that mm. circumstance any yeah. coach could make a difference
2: and that's that's fascinating because how you know was it like speaking to a group of players who I shouldn't say had checked out because careers continue in a playing capacity. But how do you get a group of players in that setting playing good football?
0: Well, the reality is, we, for three or four weeks, we did play some good footy. We played some really good footy for a couple of weeks. We got beaten by a couple of goals at Victoria Park against Heath Shaw's uh, coach, Uncle's team, um, Tony Shaw. Um, might have cost him his job if we got him that week but wasn't to be um so we you know we played two or three good weeks of good weeks of good footy but then um, what happened was that as you said you talked about players checking out we had a I think people, their external perception was that it would unify the playing group, mm-hmm. and in fact it had exactly the opposite effect. So we had a group of seven or eight players who pretty much immediately negotiated contracts with Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So they knew their destiny and now they were concerned about remaining healthy and well, so they could you know they they could put their cue in the rack and just mm-hmm. look after themselves. We had another group of players who um who probably thought they were a fair chance to um, make it onto another AFL club's list and so they were playing for their lives but mm-hmm. that brought with it a degree of selfishness that you know had its challenges mm-hmm. because they weren't necessarily playing for the team result but for the next contract. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a group of young kids who really had no idea what was going on and um, because the club was in receivership, we had no infrastructure to support them and we literally had, I think there was two or three of us th- that were left remaining to look after the players during that period of time. So I basically um, um, answered in that context to the receiver mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and the AFL. <laughs> so when things didn't go quite like they were supposed to, that was where I sought my uh, solace, which was pretty interesting. and. Neither of them were really that interested in whether we played good footy or not. We were, they were more interested in whether or not we created a headline, mm-hmm. good, bad, or otherwise, for the game. Um, mm-hmm. And then the last, the last part of that puzzle was the older guys who knew their careers were shot, mm-hmm. um, who basically, uh, you know, s- knew that that was that was it. So um, you add to that the fact that all of a sudden every man and his dog had appeared barracked for Fitzroy in the last couple <laughs> of weeks. And, we we played in front of um, I think eighty six thousand at the MCG against Richmond in our second last game, and then we're asked to do a lap of honour. <laughs>
2: that would have been received well. Uh, and around the boundary line. So
0: so for those who historians who have access to the um, annual general report of that year, if you go in about four or five pages, you'll see a photograph of myself and the captain uh, Brad Boyd standing in the middle of the MCG mm. post the final siren in that game. And I've got my arm around him whispering in his ear and there's a caption at the bottom of the f- footage talking about the special relationship that exists between um, a captain and his coach. And um, the reality was the captain's saying to me, you can get stuffed, there's <laughs> no chance we're doing a lap of I'm I'm editing <laughs> the language a little bit here. There's no chance we're doing a lap of honour. We're we're embarrassed. We just want to get out of here. And I'm basically saying to beep off. Bad (laughs) luck. Um, The reality is it's the jumper that's doing the lap Mm. of honour. We just happen to be the poor fools that are inside them. And so you've got to go around the boundary line. So it was probably the most humiliating experience of my life. Yeah, Um, um, yeah, it, it it was tough. Yeah, it was tough. And it was... And the interesting thing is that, um, I guess I got to see the, um, the personal cost of it all, whereas you know, for, you know, it was a bit like going to a state funeral for mm. eight weeks in a row, you know, where you, you know, you arrive at the ground and people are crying in the crowd and, and um, you go to after match functions and people are, you know, it, it's a bit like a wake. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a, it was an interesting time again, I think. A tough, a tough period, but uh, it it, aff- it afforded me some experiences I could never have begun mm. to imagine that I'd ever experience. And you know, there's some of it was great, and there's a bit of it you'd hope nobody else ever goes through. So,
2: yeah. And what was that last game like? The last Fitzroy, the last game at Fitzroy so, played. So
0: uh, I've still got the, uh, w- Ansett Airlines was the um, f- um, airline of choice in those days and I've still got the boarding pass, which has on it Fitzroy forever, oh which wow. we were given at the gate to yeah. on the way onto the plane. Um, uh, by then the players were shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got beaten by 30 points or something mm-hmm. thereabouts. There was a bit of a sense of relief that it was all over, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah, because everybody then went their own ways. Mm. So uh, uh, it was quite sad and in a lot of ways, but a, a relief that it was done and dusted, yeah. and we sort of managed to get through it without too much.
2: Mm. So what was next for you? I mean, you've come off this emotional roller coaster, and you know, when one door closes, another one opens. But was was that door? Open and ready for you to, to walk through, or was there? Did you take time away from footy, or well, what was I the next think, process? Yeah, I
0: think that uh, the reality was, if you were involved at Fitzroy <laughs> those days, it was presumed there was a there was a bit of a presumption that if you worked at Fitzroy, you, you, that didn't make you a an AFL employee. Like it was a bit oh, wow. like we were seen as a bit of a, a welfare state, and you know mm-hmm. that you didn't necessarily have the same credibility if you came from Fitzroy as you had. With other with other clubs, mm-hmm. but what I did walk away with from from the Fitzroy time was clearly um, the um, the impression I think was that I was somebody who was very loyal and committed to the playing group, um, and I guess there was a question mark about around whether or not I had um, a, a footy IQ that could actually allow me to coach and make players better. But certainly I could look after. Mm-hmm. I think my reputation was that I could look after people in a really good way. And um, Geelong saw, I had conversations with both Melbourne and Geelong and mm-hmm. um, was lucky enough to get an appointment at Geelong to work with Gary Ayres who, um, uh, for the next couple of years and then on to um, life with Mark Thompson and the, basically the, the early stages of their, um, you know, their three premiership winning era.
2: Yeah, what a time that would have been at Geelong. Speaking of Geelong, Joel Selwood um, and some other names, Travis Boak. Um, there's a few other, I guess, champion players that are running around in the AFL at the moment that you've, um, I guess, had a hand in, in their development. Um, can you just briefly touch on where that was and, and what you did with those players?
0: Sure. So I uh, worked at Geelong till 2003, so it was, um, you know, a couple of years with um, – with, um, with ESI and then three or four years with Bomber, and um, and on the back of that, I was appointed as AIS AFL Academy Head Coach, um, which was just a fabulous job. I thought it um, it fitted my skill set really, really well. I teacher background um, um, had coached at that stage for 13 years in at the, at the higher level and. Um, had a pretty good feel for the game and um, so here was an opportunity to work with young players from 16 years of age to lead them into a career in the game and my first day on the job I um, met the playing group that I'd inherited as part of that program and got on a plane to Ireland to play international rules <laughs> uh, in Ireland which is a pretty amazing experience so the, you know um, that first group, um, Joel Selwood, Mark Murphy, Travis Spoke all went on to captain clubs. Sean Grigg, Paddy Ryder, um, uh, um, Scott Gumbleton, mm. um, uh, yeah. Look, there was it was a fabulously talented group of players who played, have continued to play a lot of games mm. uh, at this level. It was a you know a, a great response. a great privilege to um, really be a part of that program and to nurture young guys who. Hope they might be AFL footballers one day and see them let them see, realize their you know that realize their dreams, Travis mm-hmm. Varco being another one of those
2: yeah, hope they might be AFL footballers they've all turned into some pretty handy footballers um, fast forward, I feel like this is very much this is your life, Alan McConnell, but um, the AFL announced there'd be a team um, a new team coming to the competition in western Sydney, and when they were looking at who they should appoint um, to I guess help build that list and help build the place. Um is it because of your role with that, that under eighteen side that they they saw you, Alan McConnell, as the ideal candidate to, to get up to Sydney and, and I guess build a club from nothing?
0: Well, the 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 uh, the process was that the, the journey to the AFL was going to incorporate a TAC Cup year, a a mm-hmm. a year in the state league competition and then an AFL year. Which meant we're obviously looking at in those first couple of years young kids. Mm-hmm. So um, my expertise had by then become the development of young talent and mm-hmm. um, and that was obviously what we were going to um, to be working with in those early years. So I was seconded as the first employee of the club to uh, to both um, recruit, manage and coach that that squad. Um, some six months later, um, I'd gone from being the only employee um, f- um, working in the footy section to having a whole lot of bosses, including Gubby Allen and... Kevin Sheedy and um, a few other household names. So it was an interesting time um, to be a part of something completely unique and totally different to where I'd started my AFL career, working with a club that was going down, going going down the Google.
2: Actually, I hadn't thought about it that way. That's that's actually quite a unique, and not many coaches would have, would well probably no coaches in AFL history have. Being the last coach of a, a club that's gone into receivership and all of a sudden being the first employee of a brand new club.
0: Well, I've talked about it before and I, I sort of I liken it to being on on a highway and in, with the, with one club you're going – towards the sunset and mm-hmm. the other one you're sort of heading to the tip <laughs> you know, it's it's a bit but I've been on this because you know in a, in both in both situations you're working with a club that's really quite under-resourced mm-hmm. you know um Fitzroy because it didn't have the money to to um to buy the resources or mm-hmm. to put the infrastructure around the playing group and a new club because when you start from scratch you don't have any you have to mm-hmm. you have to invent those from somewhere so the experiences were somewhat different the the vision for the two of them was totally different. So, yeah, when you when you add at, at, at that together with the experience of Geelong, where when I arrived there, it was on the end of their five um, losing Grand Finals, and then basically starting all over again under the Cook, Costa, Thompson regime mm-hmm. of putting together a, basically a new club and a new vision and a new list. Um, you know, I learned an enormous amount about how to put put together a team in in that time, and so I felt. That all of those experiences, together with the AOS experience, um, again, sort of, I'd like to think, um, assisted me greatly in mm. playing a, you know, a, a significant part in where we are now.
2: Um, more than significant part, Alan. I'm sure. Um, currently at the Giants, you hold two roles. I'll ask you about your director of coaching role first. Um, what what that entails. Um, you walk around a lot, looking <laughs> like a, a boss. Um, <laughs> With coffee in hand and your visor on, but yeah, could you just give us an insight of what director of what the the director of coaching role? Um, well, it's is. evolved
0: over time, like all of my jobs, you know. Um, <laughs> um so um, basically, um, it was more traditionally a bit like just a senior um, senior assistant coach position, mm-hmm. but then evolved more into the coaching of the coaches, um, which is where it's at now. Um, so, um, you know. Um, it's more around assisting those guys to make the players better than it is about more hands on with with mm-hmm. the playing group um uh, but every day's a bit different you know I'd like to think that because I'm sort of a bit of part of the fabric here that um it, whatever it takes is whatever I, is what I do
2: mm. well I mean sitting here listening to you talk about the the coaches you've worked with Mark Thompson Garriers Kevin Sheedy and now leon cameron and um For me, it's fascinating because, I mean, from an AFLW perspective, um, you're obviously my coach, so I don't want to pump your tyres up too much. But, you know, from an AFLW perspective, we just look at Alan McConnell and go, wow, he's like the greatest thing to happen to our team. Um, But then, yeah, to sit back and also look at the many different coaches you've worked with, it's even more impressive um, because I feel like, (laughs) I feel like, I'm very much a sponge and all the coaches I work with, I, I kind of pick up little bits and pieces from and kind of shape my own um, my own coaching philosophy and how I approach things. But, yeah, you've had some some very big names um, and I think it's not only fantastic for the coaches that, that you work with in your director of coaching role but for the players that you currently coach in the AFLW.
0: Yeah, look, I've worked with a lot of coaches, Robert Shaw, Mick Noonan, Bernie Quinlan, um you know, and, and all of the others that we've talked about. And, and, you know, the truth is they all have their strengths and they all have their vulnerabilities. There's uh, The perfect coach doesn't exist. Um, 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 and, and we all do some things better than others. And, um, you know, I, I talked you, you talked earlier about your own journey, about the fact that, you know, you're evolving. And I'd like to think that I'm still evolving. You know, like on the back of our AFLW season where we were, you know, a bit disappointing, didn't have the season that we wanted, I... I um, you know, there's been a lot of soul-searching and, you know, a lot of feedback between the playing group and myself and around what we can and need to do differently and better. And um, I'd like to think that, I'm, you know, that, you know, I'll be a better coach next year than I was last year. And, and equally, each job is quite different. You know, like I find it quite easy to sit in the coach's box on game day with the men and be relatively composed and, and add to the composure of that group. And I'm not sure the same's true when I sit in the... <laughs> box on AFLW day and it's on my shoulders you know um, it is interesting how that dynamic can change and how it affects you
2: well we'll take a quick break um, and then when we come back I'm going to throw some questions at you around the AFLW stuff and hopefully have a bit of a laugh
3: when you injure yourself you make an appointment to see a team of doctors physios and specialists but why don't we talk to the
1: professionals when it comes to financial advice
3: A good advisor will help you budget, sort out
1: your super and protect your greatest asset, your ability to earn money. So if you're worrying that it's too late and haven't got things sorted, it's okay. Acting now can make a huge difference and help you
3: reach your financial goals faster. This is where Shadforth Financial Group can help. The
1: AFL Coaches Association has worked with Shadforth since 2015. We think of them as our financial coach. Shadforth is available now for a free discussion about your financial goals. Head to sfg.com.au forward slash AFLCA for more. All
2: right, Alan, you have 30 years experience. Could be more, could be less. I could be making this up, coaching in, I guess, the the men's pathway. Um, You took on the reins of the AFLW head coach last year. My first question is why?
0: Uh, I watched our team in year one. And um, I I was a bit of a skeptic, I think, with the, you know, what's this going to be like? I was blown away by the energy at the end of every day when the girls would blow into the building and, you know, giggle and laugh and be full of energy and then get belted and turn up next week and do it all again. You know, it didn't seem to matter whether they won or lost. They, uh, They had this amazing energy and zest and it seemed like it was just great fun. We didn't have a great year and the club asked me to sort of have a little bit of an involvement and it was a, the intention being that I was going to do a little bit of what I'd done in the men's space and that is work with the coaching group to just support them through what was clearly a, a pretty difficult year. And so I went along to a couple of games and a few training sessions and joined in where I could and and hopefully provided some support to that group. And on the end of that year, um, the club had some grandiose ideas around me coaching and um, I didn't quite – that's not where I, I – I thought I could continue to play the same role because I didn't want to give up on the dream of silverware in September. Anyway, the club had different ideas and here I am.
2: Yeah, well, actually when I, when I came up, um, I think at the time they had named the coach at, of, of the Giants when I was kind of making up my mind. But um, I believe I sat – you pretty much interviewed me for 45 minutes and that was before you were even – you probably even made up your mind. So – I think you probably uh, it interested. was before
0: I made up my mind, but I, but oh, I, was, so I, yeah, I was selling the dream to you. <laughs> don't
2: worry about that. <laughs> um, what what is the biggest difference um, between coaching <laughs> AFL men and, and AFLW players?
0: Uh, the game's the same. There are some intricacies within the game that are a bit different. You know the, the, um, uh, I've articulated this before. You know, there's a there's obviously a difference in strength and power, and and in some instances, skill level. Um, and as a result of that, you know, structurally, you need to do things a little bit differently, but not a lot differently. You know, The advantage in having a spare inside the contest as opposed to outside the contest is far greater in the uh, women's space than it is the men's space. You know, If you put an extra up inside the stoppage, the probabilities you got, that you're going to get an outcome out of that in the women's space is less than in the men's. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, uh, the, it took me a little while to understand some of those intricacies of the game. The women are easier to teach, um, sponges, mm-hmm. and also really perhaps more grateful for the information and the knowledge mm-hmm. than um, than I perceive in the men's space, which is probably just born out of history and the fact that they've probably been bereft of um, opportunity in that space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also pretty clearly on record as saying I think that and, and this is a bit of a simplification and not true of everybody, but in general terms I think that women tend to need to belong to play well, whereas men play well and then they feel like they belong. So I think that is a little different. That said, I think that my journey in the men's space over a period of time, the men are far more not like that now than they were 30 years ago when I first started. Mm. Yeah, they'd that, be the, the common themes.
2: What's What have you found to be the biggest challenge of, of- Head coaching the AFLW side,
0: no different to the men. It's winning. <laughs> it's about winning. It's a, we get paid to win. You perform to be good at what you do. Um, that's what gives you the buzz. That's why you coach. Mm. Um, so that bit's exactly the same. You know, um, that's why we're all so frustrated on the end of our season this mm-hmm. year because we underperformed to our expectations. And you know that that's no different when you get to the end of a season in the men's space and you haven't delivered what you think you should.
2: Absolutely. Um, you're part of, I guess, w- with your role as, as a current AFLW coach. You're also part of the, is it the rules of the game committee for AFLW? Um, do you do you see, do you see the game of AFLW evolving um, rapidly to the point where um, it it closely resembles the men's game, or is it? Do, do we want it to move in that direction, or?
0: Well, I think, I think the game is evolving rapidly, but it's evolving rapidly in the community level mm-hmm. as opposed to the semi-professional level, which I think is what creates a real frustration for players like yourself. Mm-hmm. So you guys have been revolutionary. In, you know, for what's, if we look at what's happening underneath the AFLW competition, it's truly astonishing. You know, half, half a million, more than half a million participants, mm-hmm. um, a third of AFL-registered players are women. Like, that's crazy stuff. And that's a legacy of, of the AFLW competition. No, you, you can't lay those numbers anywhere else but at the foot of that outcome, yeah. of that or of that of the competition. Um, is it is it going to change rapidly at the top? Probably not as rapidly as people want. Simply because right now the the, the shift from semi-professional to professional requires. Um, the support of um, business and and um, and revenue. Mm-hmm. And so g- generating revenue that will support the growth of the game at the top end um, will come as a result of two things. One, I think, a, bet- a better quality product, which is going to come because of what's happening at the community level, mm-hmm. um, but also because over time um, the revenue streams will increase. And I think that's where... Um, patience patience is, um, is required, and to what degree are we patient as opposed to um, pushing the boundaries? You know, like the reality is, we, we went there sooner than everybody thought we were going to with, uh, with the game at the top end. So, um, you know, at what stage we go to 18 teams, and at what stage we go to a Full-blown home and away series with everybody playing everybody else. Yeah. I think that's probably going to take a little bit longer than, yeah. than um, particularly the current players would like. But gee, I, I remember you know when I played, I my my life my life as an AFL player was exactly the same as yours. Work all day, train at night, play on the weekends that's that's a lot that was my life growing up as a young footballer playing in what was then the vfl competition so i i understand exactly what your life is but equally i what i didn't have is something to compare it against that you have mm. which i know causes great frustration for our um, for our playing group but i can tell you I, I feel blessed to be a part of it
2: well we're very lucky to have you that's I don't want to pump up your tyres. I'm kicking myself for doing that. But um, last one, last question from an AFLW capacity. What are some of the strangest things that you've come across coaching this group that you haven't come across before coaching in the <laughs> men's pathway? Uh, <laughs>
0: A girl who couldn't mark because she's got fake tan on her hands. <laughs> girls, girls are training with um, fake eyelashes. <laughs> They're new experiences.
2: I feel like as a player there's been, we've experienced a few um, what we term allisms, um, which I guess are analogies that, that you, I'm more than sure, have used um, once or twice before uh, throughout your journey and when you've, you've kind of used them with us, we kind of look at each other and there's a bit of a what is he going on about kind of mentality across the room. So we're still getting used to you um, and some of your old school Analogies.
0: What's the best thing about being an AFLW player?
2: Um, the fact that we get to well, – oh, that's a very good question. The best thing for me is that I get to play footy at the highest level um, and, you know, and you could do that uh, at, at, you know, once upon a time. For me, that was at Melbourne University in the VFL. But I guess now we're playing footy um, and creating a pathway for, for young girls I was, playing Oz kick when I was growing up. David Neitz was my favourite player and he was up on the wall and I was never going to be David Neitz. Um, I could play footy until I was 13, 14 um, and then that would be it until I played senior footy and probably work nine to five and have some other career. But right now I guess we're forging a pathway and we're creating a future for those girls and, um, yeah, I get to be part of a, an elite environment. I get to access elite facilities and access elite minds and um, I and think... And you're
0: making f- a living out of footy.
2: yeah. Which
0: is pretty cool. Yeah,
2: which is pretty cool. Um, and I'm and I'm lucky enough that I get to balance that with the coaching piece as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we hope the game gets bigger and um, and bigger and stronger and better. And in yeah, in years to come, it'll be a fully fledged eighteen side competition and um, play a maybe a twenty two round season. So you're a bit,
0: so you're a bit impatient.
2: No, <laughs> oh, a little bit, a little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Well, um. Alan, I think we've both um, we've both got training to attend to shortly, so we might wrap it up here. But um, it's been a pleasure getting to chat to you in in this format, and I'm sure there are plenty more stories that I want to um that I want to get out of you. So maybe down the track we'll we'll have to do this again.
0: And I'm sure all the listeners listeners can now understand why when I said I think that Alicia will be a game changer, they they have a bit bit of a better sense of why I say that.
3: Cheers. When you injure yourself, you make an appointment to see a team of doctors, physios and specialists.
1: But why don't we talk to the professionals when it comes to financial advice? A good advisor will help you budget, sort out your super and protect your greatest asset, your ability to earn money. So if you're worrying that it's too late and haven't got things sorted, it's okay. Acting now can make a huge difference and help you reach your financial goals faster.
3: This is where Shadforth Financial Group can help. The
1: AFL Coaches Association has worked with Shadforth since 2015. We think of them as our financial coach. Shadforth is available now for a free discussion about your financial goals. Head to sfg.com.au forward slash AFLCA for
2: more.